2: Yeah.
0: Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com
2: Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com. SIMULTV.com
3: Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Riaka. Bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiecka, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiecka.
4: Hello, dear friends, and welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show where we share innovative thoughts and explore deepening truth in support of the path to unity and enlightenment. I'm your host, Gilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be looking at the trap of unforgiveness. There's nothing that stops personal evolution in its tracks faster than unforgiveness, as an unforgiving heart is frozen in place. Rather than broadcasting the frequency of love, it's locked down, holding a grudge. Grudges keep us trapped in the past and unavailable, to connect with a unifying force of love in the present. This lockdown condemns us to an isolated future. Given that we're currently evolving into unity, the inability or unwillingness to forgive becomes a slow, painful devolution into bitterness, loneliness, and despair. Yet how does one forgive? It's not as easy as it sounds. Often we might say we forgive only to find the grudge re-emerging to haunt us. Could it be that the forgiveness we need is for ourselves rather than those we perceive to have wronged us? Is it possible that the underlying problem is victimhood, used to cover personal guilt and shame? What is the anatomy of forgiveness, and how do we achieve it? With us this hour to explore the power of forgiveness and how to obtain it is Reverend Misty Time, author of The Forgiveness Solution, The Step-by-Step Process to Let It Go. She's a forgiveness expert, speaker, certified death doula, and creator of the forgiveness algorithm. Reverend Misty was ordained in 2015 after spending two years in One Spirit Interfaith Seminary. Previously, she had a long, successful career in corporate health care. Her website, RevMisty.com. Misty, thanks for joining us on Mission Evolution.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
4: Now, I'm not familiar with uh, where you were ordained. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about, um, what is it, the... uh, One Spirit. One Spirit Interfaith Seminary. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, One Spirit Interfaith Seminary has been around quite a long time, and it was founded by an amazing woman. And her goal was to study all major religions, not just one, but to understand our connections versus our disconnection. And when I went searching to go to seminary, I really wanted to study all major religions. I wanted to work in hospice, end-of-life care. I always say conversion wasn't my job acceptance and loving was so that's how I found one spirit interfaith seminary and I will tell you I went to seminary thinking that I was just gonna get the credentials and the education really I went deep 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 and it really was to grow my own soul it was it was fantastic that's funny. We go into
4: things thinking we're going to be in service to others, and really it's us that needs the changing, right? Exactly. Yeah. So you were a death doula. Where'd you train for that?
0: Um, also out of New York, a Doula Givers um, International, an amazing organization that uh, trains death doulas to... Um, be of service you know death duelist is kind of a new concept over the last probably 25 years and it really fills a need where hospice and hospice is amazing just like wonderful people with, with soft, squishy hearts to help you at end of life and help the families. But as our healthcare system has changed, they don't spend as much time as they would like to. And that's where death doulas come in. It's actually a private service that the family can choose and death doulas stay longer and all the way through um, the funeral service and um, grief counseling. Would you mind
4: describing exactly what a death doula is and how it differs from um, the ones um, like the shaman and whatnot that used to uh, help people cross?
0: Well, it's similar. It's a companion for the dying. So death doulas are trained like hospice in the stages of dying. So they help the family um, understand those stages, um, really the companion for the person who is dying to talk about things that they might not necessarily wanna talk about with their family right away. Also to um, help them with their wishes, to help execute exactly what it is um, they want, how they want things to look. Um, And then most importantly it's a support system for the family after the person passes, um, helping them with grief and set up the funeral and, and just really be there as a companion. It sounds like a lovely service. So before we talk
4: about forgiveness, let's look at perceived wrongs that make forgiveness (laughs) necessary. What does
0: make forgiveness necessary? Well, I love to go back to expectations. Uh, We all have them. And guess what? It's totally normal to have expectations, expectations of yourself um people who are in your life whether it be uh, personal or business your parents your siblings your even your own children Um, when our children are born sometimes we're thinking dr lawyer by the time they hit teenagers our expectations change to law-abiding citizen we really (laughs) have expectations and they usually come from a very very good place but it also comes from our own belief systems our path and we um, like to put that on to others. And some people don't have the will or the skill to meet your expectations. And what I mean by that is some people just plain old don't want to. They don't have the will. Where others, they start out with the will. They say, yes, I decide I want to be this in your life, whatever that is, fill in the blank. And then They really don't have the training or the skills, and so they lose their will. Very common in parenting, actually. You know, we all hear about the person that their father left, their mother left, Um, you know, When they decided to be a parent or when they found out they were going to be a parent, I guarantee you their expectations for themselves and how it was going to go was probably amazing. But ultimately, with their own issues, lots of times it's addiction, alcoholism, um, mental health issues, or they never were trained how to do that. And they lose their will. Very common. So some people start out with the will don't have the skill and lose their will to fulfill your expectations. And what does that do to us? Well, it causes pain, anger, and unfulfilled expectations. And that gets seeded, and you mentioned this at the, at the beginning, in our hearts. We become frozen in place with our pain, anger, and unfulfilled expectations. Well, it sounds like uh, the more expectations we have of
4: others, (laughs) um, the more we're setting ourselves up to be hurt or disappointed. I mean, we can't control other. Is there some way around that?
0: Well, you know, some people say, well, then I'll try not to have any expectations. I'm like, go ahead. You give that a try. It's our human nature to have expectations um, of others and of ourselves. We want to do things the way we would like it to be it's also a sense of control right when some when we realize we don't really have a lot of control that helps but ultimately it's to be really open with your communication as adults it's very hard to do as children but as adults to have an open conversation like plane. This is my expectation. I expect this and this. Is it possible? Are you going to be able to fulfill those expectations? Do I need to shift my expectations? And that's a really important skill that we learn um, as adults. But usually we go through a lot of pain and, and frustration first before we learn that other people might not see things the same way we do and that we have to shift. Our expectations but my question is if you were able to do that ahead of time what would you do you would save yourself some pain anger and frustration and understand that this is about them and not about
4: you we well, you know it seems like we come with some uh, programmed expectations from our families of origin and our cultures that we may or may not even be aware of how do you work with that
0: well uh, first of all again totally normal if you have a parent or a sibling and you have expectations that they will be kind, loving, show up for you. Those are normal expectations and totally appropriate expectations. Now, if they don't and end up causing you pain and anger and unfulfilled expectations, you really need to look at the situation. Find out what part you own, and that's always the hardest part, right? Like taking responsibility for your part. And then also look and look at their abilities. Are they able to fulfill those expectations with what you know about them? Um, I, I went through this personally in my own life and the reason I wrote the book was because I was not born alone. I came into the world with a twin. And when we were really little, um, we were each other's best friend. But as things happen in life, we grew up, He ended up being abusive and had alcoholism and I kept not understanding why he couldn't be the brother I wanted, the brother I expected and I kept waiting for him to change and that's where we stumble. We keep waiting for the other person to do something different, be better, to change and ultimately... It just doesn't work out that way. Um, It'd be like somebody saying to you, I want you to change and be different so I could be happier. And it it doesn't work that way, does it?
4: It goes back into uh, um, discerning proximity, taking responsibility yourself.
0: Right, right. So ultimately, my twin brother, and I talk about this in the book, he took his own life and when he died I used to in my head say oh when he dies I won't really miss him Well, and- we're, I'm, I hate this is
4: a horrible time but we're going to have to take a break and oh, pick up on no the, the other side Misty and I will be back after this commercial break you're listening to the Mission Evolution Radio Show coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network www.xedbn.net <laughs>
3: Exone Radio TV. For more information on the Exone Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exoneradiotv.com or www.xzontvchannel.com, or simultv.com and xzbn.net.
4: Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution Radio, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. Remember, past episodes are available on our website, missionevolution.org. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka, and our guest this hour is Reverend Misty Time. Her website, reverendmisty.com. We were just getting into um, how when you lost your brother, you had to really move through some um, issues about forgiveness. Would you mind continuing?
0: Well, thanks so much. Yeah, you know, when someone dies, we have to grieve them, right? It's part of missing so much, missing who they were in your life. But when we have unforgiveness towards them, we have to not only grieve who we thought we wanted them to be in our life, what we wanted them to be in our life, but actually who they were. And so I ran into that exact situation when my brother died. Um I was really stuck, uh, really thinking that he he just wasted his life, and I was angry, and I was angry that he couldn't fix it, and that he caused so many people pain, and I wanted him still, even after he died, I wanted him to magically change. Well, in that search, For healing of my own heart, my own unforgiveness, I discovered that all major religions and society agree we should forgive, we should let it go. The problem is no one tells us how, and I was desperate for the how. Ultimately, I found the how by reading really amazing books, talking to people who are experts in not only forgiveness, but religion and relationships, and that's how I wrote the book because I understood quickly that I wasn't the only one that has grief and unforgiveness.
4: Well, you know, it you know what what I'm wondering here is what part does um Who are we really angry with, the perceived uh, perpetrator or ourselves for falling victim?
0: I would say both because we're angry that um, we didn't have any control, that they didn't listen to us. We feel like we were right and they were wrong. You know, in our society, we love to be right And we see it all the time, whether it be politics yelling at each other, whether it be people who sue to get their point across validly so many times, or when you're arguing with a family member, a spouse or friend about what you think they should have done or how they should have done something and then even ourselves, what we think later on about our actions, or our missed opportunities, and we blame ourselves. Now, it's all part of our personal experience, right? In this life, what are we here to learn? For- Forgiveness, um, letting go, quote unquote, doesn't let a person out of justice. It doesn't let a person out of social consequences. You can forgive someone in your family. doesn't mean you have to have them over for Sunday dinner. But ultimately, it means that you're letting them do and be who they are and then deciding whether those people should be in your life. You can still love them. You just love them from afar. Like I always say, like love them with a 10-foot pole because I loved my brother. I loved him so much that I wanted him to be this amazing human in my life. But because of his own issues, his own walk, his own demons, he couldn't be that person. Were my expectations unreasonable? Absolutely not. I wanted a kind person. I wanted love and acceptance. I wanted to be able to support each other. Ultimately, that's not his goal. And he didn't have the abilities to do that. And how, how often are we in love with
4: our expectations versus who the person is?
0: Oh, goodness. I I would definitely say that's our number one situation right there, is that we believe that our expectations of someone or something or a situation is the only way. We love to be right. And that's a big piece of it. And when we don't get that expectation filled the way we want to, that's when we pick up pain, anger and unforgiveness. And Gilda, I would also say this is when we turn into not our best selves. We've all been angry at someone, and when we do, we are willing to talk to anybody about how bad they are or how wrong they are and how right we are. Even the family dog gets to hear it, right? We get to try to get people on our side and our team to support our belief system.
4: Yeah, the good old polarization and campaigning thing. Right, What part does personal guilt and shame play in here? Um, Because it seems like there's a lot of projection going on at this point.
0: Yes. I know even from personal experience that I talked about my brother behind his back, whether it be to family members or, or anybody. And that's not my normal personality, but it was coming from my pain. And I felt terribly guilty and shameful for my actions later and I wish I could have handled it differently. And I really needed to do some self-forgiveness. So really self-forgiveness is asking yourself, did I learn anything from this? Do I plan on repeating any of my actions? And guess what, I learned a lot. So next time I walk back into that situation of something like this, where I feel hurt and anger, I know that I need to catch myself and not turn to what I call the dark side of myself, which is the part that wants to revel in my anger and my pain and try to prove how right I am. And I, th- I think that kind of gets to your question. Yeah,
4: doesn't that deep need to be right? Isn't that as a result of avoiding being wrong so that you're not guilty?
0: Exactly, exactly. Um, What
4: a tangled web we weave, right?
0: We do. And in in family situations, we have many different pieces coming into that tangled web, including um, our age, where we were born, our belief systems, our religious belief systems. And all of that comes into play about how we form our expectations and also how we want to be viewed by others. You know I didn't want people to know that I had a twin brother you know I, I now know that we're friends but if we were not friends, you would never ever hear anything about my brother. You wouldn't even know I had a twin because I didn't want the embarrassment of how he was in the world. It somehow I felt like it was reflecting on me. And it and it really wasn't. And I could have been so much kinder because if you paint people as all evil, Other people believe that. And I would have never told you that my brother volunteered, that at one time he learned Braille so that he could write a book for a friend who was blind. I didn't tell you that he cooked once a month for 100 seniors. Because if I would have told you that, you would have seen the whole person, not just the person that had Mental health issues and alcoholism. Gosh forbid, you would have had empathy for that guy, and I didn't want that.
4: You know, this seems like a, a funny time to ask it, but what mm-hmm. is forgiveness exactly?
0: That's a great question. You know, forgiveness is really, um, I like to say it's a separation from your pain and anger, stepping away, both physically and mentally, letting go of expectations that you have of the person, of what you wanted that to look like which is very very difficult but when you do it is truly a freeing experience it's actually a physical experience it's kind of letting your breath out (sighs) I don't have to hold that anymore it actually makes you can feel it in your chest and in your heart because when you do that you're letting that person be exactly who they are not who you want them to be. So where does taking
4: personal responsibility fit into forgiveness?
0: Well, I mentioned slightly before that when um, anybody found out I had a twin brother, my first reaction was to tell you how horrible he was because it made me feel better about me. I had to take personal responsibility in my actions. So whatever the situation is, let's pick an argument with your spouse, right? Like those ever happen. And we really need to take responsibility in how we react to other people and to situations. And if that isn't kind and loving or or even understanding, we need to take responsibility into what we do. Um, I write this in my book about a good apology because we've all been on the end of a really bad one, right? They usually have a butt in them. really an apology is taking responsibility for your actions without any expectations of the other person changing. Now, let me explain that. I had every intention of going to my brother and it had to do with another family death and explaining to him how much he had hurt me through his whole life and how I forgave him quote unquote. That was not an apology That was me telling him how wrong he was. Really, Gilda, the apology should have looked like, I am really sorry. I know that in your life you knew I talked about you behind your back. And I know that hurt you. I promise to not do that anymore. I really am sorry for that. Please know I want to apologize for my bad behavior. That would have opened up a whole different conversation with him. And it would have held me accountable. A good apology usually has amends in it, which is an action. And I would have no longer tried to manipulate him or talk badly about him or to prove how wrong he was. I would have let him go be him. Now, again, his behaviors... I didn't really want those in my life often, but I would have I would have had him.
4: Well, for- it's it's time for another short pause. Okay. Misty and I will return to our discussion on the other side of this break. So you stay right there. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show on the X Broadcast Network www.xzbn.net. <laughs> Welcome back. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show. www.missionevolution.org, bringing the latest tools and information to support the path to an enlightenment. I'm your host, Welda Weyeka. Our guest is ours, Reverend Misty Time. Her website, revmisty.com. Misty, isn't um, forgiveness the natural result of healing? I mean, healing ourselves—it has—it's an inside job, yes.
0: It is an inside job. I love that. Because many times we um, try to get somebody on the outside to heal our insides. We want people to change so that we can feel better. And forgiveness really is an inside job. I love that. Thank you. I might have to steal that. Yes, you're welcome to it. <laughs> you know, as, as long as we're unforgiving, we remain victim.
4: What can you tell us about being a victim and the impact it has on our life?
0: Well, it kind of, from personal experience, and I would have never thought of myself as a victimhood type of person, but I will tell you, um, issues with my family helped me say that I was right. So it kept me in the victimhood of uh, this bad stuff happened to me, and they are horrible people, and because of that, I am a better person. It kept me in that... Uh, righteousness mode and it definitely kept me in victimhood. Um, I would say that I made decisions from my victimhood. Yeah. I, it, puts, it
4: kind of puts a ceiling on our, on our performance. Cause we can say, well, I could have been all of this, but because I've had this bad thing happen to me because my life has been so hard, um, I'm okay the way I am. I don't need to aspire to anything greater. So it really right. puts a ceiling on, on what we can be.
0: Right. That is exactly true. I used to say that God gave me the wrong family. I just knew that there was another twin born that day that weighed three pounds that I was put in the wrong family because if I had been in a better family, I would have been able to be a doctor by now. I, I blamed my family situation for my ability not to reach where I thought I should be. And it, it doesn't mean that there's not some nuggets of truth in that. It is about your response, and not seeing the brilliance of learning all those lessons about being in a family like that, and what I could have moved forward through faster if I would have taken self responsibility in that.
4: Yeah, we all we all have our challenges, you know. Yeah. So, do you do you advocate finding the hidden gift behind the perceived wrong and being grateful as a part of the forgiveness process?
0: Yes, both. Not just when something somebody does hurt you and trying to find the gift in learning from that relationship. But even when bad things happen to you, we've all heard, you know, bad things happen to good people um, and things that don't seem to have an explanation, including your house burning down or um, I broke my back literally in one moment in time and it, it, it changed my life forever. And to try to find the Gifts in those situations can be pretty difficult, but, you know, I know that if I hadn't broke my back, I would have never known how strong I was and how many people showed up for me to help take care of me, the gratefulness that I have for the doctors that took care of me and for my own inner strength I didn't even realize I had.
4: You know, it seems like yeah, it's, it seems like, you know, really life sets us up for some really wonderful strengthening and empowering situations that uh, we just have to shift our perspective in order a- to take advantage of it.
0: A- absolutely. And um, I've been stopped. One time I was stopped in the middle of a parking lot by a lovely woman who said, you work in forgiveness, don't you? She goes, how do I forgive my abuser? And she literally wanted the answer right there. Because she was still so worried that if she forgave him, the myths and misconceptions in our world is that you're supposed to forgive and forget. Actually, forgiveness is a tool you can use in your life. You don't forget, but it does soften over time. But you can learn lessons from the situation and and your strength and the people who show up for you. And... She wanted to be told that what happened to her was horrible. And guess what it was? It was not acceptable, should never happen. But
4: let's, let's talk about humor. Um, how can mm. we use humor to transmute? I know a lot of people, oh, you're, 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 you're laughing at their sacred cow. But seriously, isn't it fairly transmutative? And how can, we, how can we kick that in there?
0: Well, you know, humor opens the heart when sadness tends to slam it shut. And I tend to use humor often so much that my plan is to do stand up pretty soon. Um, It's compassionate humor. It's also humor that connects us. You know, we all understand and we all know what it feels like to be in pain. And if you can make a little humor out of that, they're like, yeah, I getcha. Like, I know what you're talking about. And so look for the humorous pieces in your life, even in bad situations. For me, I, uh, when I was in a walker with my broken back, I took uh, stickers of high heels and martinis and stuck it all over it because I wanted to bling out my walker. Try to find that source of joy somewhere, even in a horrible situation.
4: That that's so important. I mean, because we we label a situation horrible, but really, it's you know, stuff happens all the time. It happens to everybody. It's how we approach life, really, that transmutes it, or we get stuck in a in a rut, right?
0: Right. And and that's also normal. Like we feel like we're the only ones that have had this horrible thing happen to them. I know in grief situations, when a loved one dies, when you're when your parent or a spouse or somebody passes you don't understand why there's not a national holiday and why is the mail being delivered you're on the floor in this horrible pain and it never feels like it's going to get better and if you can find some meaning behind this horrible human experience and you just mentioned it it's something that happens to all of us if you Well that, can find- yeah that's 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 what I'm confused
4: about it seems like we've been Everything has been framed in this life is a horrible thing and we're all going through these suffering things. People live, people die, babies are born. Why do we focus so much on the negative in even any kind of a situation? It's the end, you know, I'm suffering so. Well, what about the beautiful birth into the next life? What about the beautiful birth of a baby? What about the beauty of life? If we're so focused on the sadness, on the, the the grief and how wrong we've been done, isn't that what we create?
0: Absolutely. You know, it's that you get what you give. So if you are in that sadness and, want, and think the world is a horrible place, then you will see the world as a horrible place. And I really believed that um, my family was really a horrible bunch of people. And they were just painful people bags of people walking around, um, doing things from their so own pain. what,
4: what personal deficit or guilt had you having to frame life like that?
0: I think it, uh, and I know I've said this word probably a hundred times so far, but my expectation was that they would be better so that my life would be better. So I felt that, um, i i'm trying to like dig that out in a way that's concrete because it's a lot about feelings and emotions and um expectations of who they were and what i expected them to be and i felt like they were holding they caused so much drama that it held me back
4: so and what, what religious background did you grow up in
0: <laughs> well, believe it or not, um, I have a long, long um, background in the Presbyterian Church. My great uncle was actually the president of the Presbyterian Church. And it was a beautiful, wonderful human being who was a minister when I was in um, high school. And he was such a kind, wonderful man. And he was a Presbyterian minister. And because of him, I knew that God was big really big. And he healed some parts in me as a, as a yearning young person that made me feel valid and worthy. And, um, lots of shout out to him. I, it's amazing how one person can change your life. And look at the world's full of
4: the one people that can change our lives. If we stand up to it, you know, I'd, I'd like to go back to the, um, uh, expectation piece, because mm-hmm. uh, like mm-hmm. you say, it's, it's been a big part of this this discussion. Why, why do people have to live up to our expectations? Where do our expectations come from? It looks like, like you've been pointing out, it's kind of the core of the problem.
0: It is the core of the problem, but it's actually so normal, Um, so don't beat yourself up for it either, because it comes from um, society, it comes from religion, it comes from just being a human being that wants to have happy relationships, and when it doesn't happen, um, our expectations of that relationship gets broken apart, that's totally normal.
4: Often it doesn't happen because of the expectation, rather than just let a relationship be what it is and discern proximity.
0: Right. But sometimes I think that we don't check in often enough with ourselves about a relationship. We have a vision of what that relationship is, and then we, quote, are surprised when it doesn't go well, because we haven't really checked in, because people show us who they are. You know, you've heard that before, right? People show us who they are, believe them. If someone is late every single time, and then your expectation is that they're going to show up on time the next time, uh, they told you so. Believe them. They're they're just late. That's who they are. So work around that or have a conversation and ask them, are you willing to be able to show up on time? And instead of sitting there and stewing um, at the restaurant for an extra 25 minutes because they are late and it's making you upset, you have to check in with yourself about the relationship.
4: Well, we'll have to pick up on this on the other side. I do have some more questions on it, so we'll need to take another break. Misty and I will be back shortly, so don't you guys dare go away. You're listening to the Mission Evolution Radio Show on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xedbn.net.
2: Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com SIMULTV.com
4: Welcome back. This is the Mission Evolution radio show, www.missionevolution.org. We're bringing the latest developments in an evolving world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. I always love suggestions from my listeners. You can email me at info at missionevolution dot org to propose a topic or a guess that's on your mind. I'm sure we'll all enjoy them. Our guest this hour is Reverend Misty Time. Her website revmisty dot com. Misty, you know what happened? You know we, we keep talking about expectations and and uh, and all that fun stuff. So, what? What is, what, what, what happened to trusting another's path? It sounds like we've got all these ideas about how other people should live and what their path needs to be that we then impose on our lives to our own detriment.
0: Oh, I totally agree with you. And that's the part about forgiveness that's amazing and wonderful is that you do let people go and be on their path. And it's, it's a freeing experience when you stop trying to, quote, control what you think they should do.
4: It it is about control, isn't
0: it? Oh, it's so much about control.
4: You know, we feel like we don't have control over our lives, so if we can control the people around us, then we get control back.
0: Right. And it's funny, it's exactly opposite of that. You will have more control over your life if you let people be their own person and be and walk and do and then you can decide because you have control i always say you have a fence around your life and you're in control of your gate let people in and out of the gate it is your responsibility if you want that in your life or you don't and you do that without judgment because forgiveness lets you do that and that's the amazing tool that forgiveness really is how much of
4: experiencing injury in the present is actually interpreting current events through the filters of past unprocessed injury?
0: Oh, that is so true. I, for for example, um, because there's so much alcoholism in my life, I'm very triggered, quote unquote. I know that's a very psychobabble word that we use a lot, but I'm very triggered by people who, might be drinking in front of me, because then I'm checking them out. Do they drink often? Is this the one glass of wine or is this their 10th glass of wine? Like it's any of my business, by the way. <laughs> and But it, I can decide if someone does have a drinking problem, um, whether I can have them in my life or not. And that's the control that we all have and that we don't realize.
4: So basically, you're um, projecting onto the current, anybody that picks up a glass of wine, uh, the unprocessed injury or uh, perceived injury of your history, and therefore you're not being present and you're not allowing them to be present. Is that correct?
0: It's absolutely correct. And, you know, expectations are a form of judgment, and I am judging them right there. And without even knowing Much about them. Um, I've decided that this person on this day drinks too much. And it's, first of all, none of my business. Um, It's only my business when it enters into my world, and then I can make a decision about that. But ultimately, it is about judgment. Expectations are really a form of judgment. So I expect them to act differently. They have no idea even that expect, expectation or, or whether does my expectation really matter in their life like is is that something I should be projecting on them so um, next time you're in a group and somebody's acting a way that you don't think is appropriate ask yourself where it comes from and you might be actually correct but it's not your responsibility to change them
4: and that's There's so many hidden places that we judge um, and don't even recognize that we're doing it. It's like unpeeling an onion to find the depth of our judgment and projection onto others. How empowering is it when we can dig in there and do that interior work um, and let it go?
0: It is extremely empowering, and it makes your relationships better. Just recently, my daughter had said something about that. She said, you know, Mom, when you kind of let me just go and be after she got out of college um, and just make my own decisions, and I didn't feel like you were trying to tell me what to do. Our relationship got so much better, and I had to agree with her. She was absolutely right. I had to learn how not to put what I thought she should do or what other people should do on them, because guess what? People feel it. They Even if you're not saying it, oh, boy, do we get our messages across.
4: Yeah, that my, my kids used to call one of their grandmas grandma guilt. She didn't have to say anything, just give you that look, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
4: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, it takes two to tango, and we always play part in an exchange. How important is it to find uh, and forgive ourselves uh, before we confront the, injured, the injury, you know, the party that we think is injured us?
0: I think it's super important. Um, self-forgiveness, you know, you want to perform a miracle, forgive yourself, right? Because we hold ourselves even to a tighter line or a higher line than we do other people. And we're not perfect. I haven't met one perfect human yet. And we make mistakes. So when you learn how to handle those mistakes, um, it's easier to forgive yourself, to own up to your own stuff, You know, people really do want to cheer for you. So when you do own up for it, you can heal yourself. You can can apologize and then promise not to do that again, you know, or try not to do it again.
4: What part can forgiveness play in alleviating the polarized state of the world today?
0: Well, I think that, you know, politics comes to my mind and I don't care what side you're on or if you're smack dab in the middle Ultimately, no one's ever yelled at me for 20 minutes and had me change my mind. We need to give people some grace in regards to their belief systems and understand that they are coming from their space and their place, whether it is their experience in life, uh, whether they were born in a different generation, whatever it is, we need to come to them with an open heart and they will see that because the only thing that changes our belief system is experience, whether that be negative or positive. So be the positive change.
4: It seems like there's an antidote here. And to me, that would be unconditional love. Would you mind explaining what that is?
0: You know, when I was younger, I used to say that unconditional love was for babies and puppies and I was so wrong. Unconditional love is Loving people from afar, if you don't agree with them, it's fine, but love them anyways. Um, And with family members or exes, and I get this a lot about exes, um, people want them to be something different. But you need to love them anyways and let them be on their own course. They are on their journey discovering their own lessons. But you are a great example of loving and conditioning. I love you. I put boundaries around my life to keep my life safe and happy, but I love you. And that is such a powerful, I mean, don't you, don't you think that's powerful if somebody said, you know, I don't agree with your position, but I love you anyways?
4: Absolutely, it's powerful. And, and being able to love yourself is the first step, isn't it?
0: Yes, and I didn't realize I didn't like myself very well until I went through this process.
4: You know, blessing all the way around.
0: Mhm, yeah.
4: Does unforgiveness and holding grudges impact our ability to experience love?
0: It does, because um just like I'm triggered by people who drink too much or in my opinion drink too much, um it sets us up to hold back and not see a person for who they really are. The whole picture, the good, the bad, the amazement. And it also affects our actions, right? Our actions of how we move within the world. Um, we tend to um, be suspicious. If we've been hurt, we don't trust the next person that's going to come in. We put stuff on them from what happened to t- with somebody else in the past. Um, very common when you have people who break up in love relationships, um, their next relationship, they're just waiting for the person to do something horrible because They had that happen in a past relationship. So I I agree with you that it affects every piece of us, what we choose to do, how we show up in the world.
4: So what's the most important step, first step anyone can take to move towards forgiveness of self and other?
0: Well, that's the thing I think that the world has really Caused in the myths and misconceptions of forgiveness. It's like it's just supposed to magically happen in a blink of an eye. And funny, it actually does, but there's some work involved. We don't usually pick up unforgiveness, those anger and pain and unfulfilled expectations, um, immediately. Usually it's over some time. So it can take some time to put all that down. And you mentioned in your opening about how grudges kind of come back to us, right? We think we forgave and then we're upset again. So it's A great idea to spend the time understanding that relationship, working through that. I talk about my book with like some step-by-step stuff, like here, do this, do that, pray, read, go to counseling, talk to a friend, write a letter, just don't send it, (laughs) burn it and send it uh, on its way, Um, work out what it is that you wanted and that didn't happen. And that's how you start moving towards forgiveness. And gosh darn it, empathy will sneak in, I promise you. And you'll be able to see the story in a different light and you'll get those beautiful nuggets out that we spoke about earlier about gratefulness. Um, You'll see your strength. Um, You'll see you, you in a different light also, not just the other person. So
4: we've gone full circle in that forgiveness, true forgiveness, is a natural result of healing, and that's an inside job.
0: Yes, it is. Absolutely.
4: (laughs) Well, you know, unfortunately, it's hard to believe, but we're already out of time. Misty, thank you so much for coming on the show.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much.
4: Our guest this hour has been author of The Forgiveness Solution, The Step-by-Step Process to Let It Go, Reverend Misty Time. Her website, (laughs) RevMysteryMisty.com. Remember to join the email family to stay abreast of all the exciting new things we have coming up at MissionEvolution.org. This has been Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiecka on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Join us next time as the mission continues, bringing information, resources, and support to an evolving world.
1: Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today.